Welcome to Rock That Relationship, a podcast about all things relationship with Corey and Tracy. Now let's get real and start creating relationships that rock. Welcome to episode 10 of Rock That Relationship with Corey and Tracy. We're excited today to bring you our last episode of season one called Living the Eight Lessons. So tune in, listen up, and hear how we bring this all full circle. All right. We are so excited to have two guests on with us today, actually neighbors, friends, new friends of mine uh, that live not too far away from me. And I got to meet them actually when I was out on my morning walks. And so we have been able to connect over the last about a year and a half or so. So uh, we've got Joan and Katie on and they're going to, you know, give us a chance to hear a little bit about their perspectives on the eight different topics that we've talked about. So I'm going to turn it over to both of them and have them introduce themselves. Tell us a little bit about who they are. Hello, I'm Joan. I'm Katie. And Joan will probably be doing a lot of the talking because (laughs) I'm the extrovert and Katie. Introvert. (laughs) So we've been together for 25 years, which is probably why we're really on this podcast. Um, An extrovert and an introvert successfully managing 25 years together is not necessarily easy, but I think uh, we met in our 40s through some friends in Minneapolis, and I think that helps a lot because we had already been through a lot of relationships, and we pretty much knew who we were as people and what we wanted, and old enough to say, hey, we're good if we're not uh, mm-hmm. together. I don't know. I mm-hmm. only help. But I just want to also say that um, uh, I came from New York City. I moved I, from Iowa originally, but I would was living in New York City as a freelance musician for about 17 years. So when I moved back to Minnesota, um, there were some family circumstances that brought me. And I my brother lived in Minnesota, and he introduced me to some friends of Katie's. Mm-hmm. And when I saw Katie, the first time I saw Katie was was at a party and she arrived with a partner or mm. a, a date, a date <laughs> that nobody knew was a date. Yes. Oh, everybody knew it was a date. It was the <laughs> second time I saw you that you were with the same woman that you weren't together, which was at a Halloween party. And uh, what was the theme? It was... She came as, uh, it was like pairs, famous pairs. Duos and pairs. Duos and pairs. And she came at, she and her date that she was no longer with, uh, came as a pair of breasts. <laughs> wow. Do I, do I need to say more? True story. Wow. I mean, were you the left wow. one or the right <laughs> one? I mean, that's. <laughs> that's a real step out for an introvert. I have to say oh that goodness, pretty much yeah. shocked me. I thought you were going to say okay. like Sunny and Cher or something. <laughs> Her sense of of humor, and she was cute, and she has a beautiful smile. And breasts don't talk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, they do. (laughs) Oh, yes, they do. Anyway, so do you want to, Katie is um, from Minnesota. Why don't you say where you're from and what your career was? I was born and raised in Minnesota, lived there all my life until we moved here to Arizona and met. Corey, um, I was a commercial painter 
for many, many years and it's kind of boring life, but that's it. Well, you've managed to make a relationship last for 25 years. I don't think that's boring. I was going to say, I don't think the last 25 years have been boring. Have they do? No. no. Yeah, I hope she better not be saying that. (laughs) All right, Corey, I hope you didn't invite them on to stir up some trouble here. No, no. No, It'd be our relationship podcast that would put a kink in this 25 years. (laughs) It better not be. Exactly. All right. Well, excellent. We are so excited to have you on. So we're going to get to asking some questions here in a moment and hear your thoughts on each of our eight topics. All right. So Joan and Katie, we have our very first question for you, which is our uh, first topic we covered in one of our earliest podcasts. It's called watering the garden. And um, I know you've actually listened to this podcast. We've talked about it. And this concept of watering the garden is really this idea about investing the time, energy, and you know effort into keeping the relationship vibrant and healthy, right? I mean, I know, Tracy, you talk about it really literally being like a garden, right? And, um, you know, we've talked about this idea of if you don't water the garden enough, you don't pay attention enough to your relationship and you, you, you don't feed it enough, the plants die. Um, but if you give too much water to it and you're just overfeeding it, you can also kill the plants. Like if you're giving so much attention that you almost kind of stranglehold your relationship, um, you can create a sense of codependence or even just, a you know, just suffocation of the relationship. And, you know, I talked in the podcast about how I had done both of those things to some extent. So um, we're really going to kind of hear about what does it look like about watering the garden? So Joan, Katie, how do you manage to put that investment and that effort into your relationship? So you're watering the garden, but you're not underwatering it and you're not overwatering it. Where do you find that balance? And what are the kinds of things that you do that help you, you know, make sure that you sustain a healthy relationship? So this is Joan. And I think that in the last 25 years, we've had to navigate uh, the amount of water at different periods in our relationship. Uh, When we were first together, uh, I would say the first five to 10 years, certainly the first five years, we were leaving love notes to each other every morning. Mm -hmm. She had a job where she was gone before I even got up. So I would leave her a note at night and she would leave me a night, um, uh, uh, a note in the morning. And, you know, we were very attentive. We were, you know, in the honeymoon phase and Um, So there was a lot of that early um, adoration going on. After 25 years, I don't know how much adoration is going on (laughs) anymore, but um, we do pay attention to each other. And, you know, you learn a lot about a person. We made a commitment to each other from the very beginning. And I think the thing that, that drew us both to each other was that the trust that we had in our relationship, you know, communication and trust were our top uh, of our uh, top of mind. And I push communication. So, you know, I get watered if I'm not feeling comfortable in the relationship and I can push her and she can tell me what's going on. Um, but when you say push her, what do you mean? Like actually like, you like talk to her, like actually yeah. ask her questions like directly, right. like, Hey, I'm feeling this way. Can you do this? Correct. Or I need more of this kind of thing. No, it's more of, of, uh, how are you feeling? Mm. How are you doing? Mm -hmm. And I feel like something happened and you're not 
okay with it mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of thing. You know, it's more of, you know, after a certain amount of time, there's a sense of who that other person is that you have, right? There's just an understanding of what they want and what they don't want. And that's come from asking questions, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, Katie, and- do you like for her to ask you that stuff or do you, I mean, I, I need her to, mm-hmm. uh, she, she tells me everything. I mean, she mm-hmm. does what's on her mind and somehow she knows when something's bothering me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't say it and I don't know. She just senses it and she'll say, you know, what's wrong. Let's talk about it. And she just keeps at me until I'm able to express what I'm feeling. So sometimes it takes a while. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what it is, but she's very patient with me and eventually it comes out. And and you mentioned you're an introvert and she's an extrovert. So do you feel like there are times when you need to kind of direct her or ask ask her for these things? No. <laughs> <laughs> she tells me. I saw that she's shaking her head yes though. So. Well, she'll t- I'll tell her and or she will tell me what she doesn't like about what she's seeing, hearing, mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, she's, she's pretty good about telling me what she doesn't like without being asked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right? She takes it well though. Yeah. yeah. Well, cause I trust her. I, I trust her opinion. I, I believe in her as an honest person. And you know, mm-hmm. that those are all um, attributes. I know we were both looking for We're honest people, you know, not afraid to talk about what, how you feel. Um, no game playing. No, 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 no. Did you, did you list those things out when you first got together and say like, Hey, I'm looking for this kind of person. These are, or when you first got together, I'm looking for these qualities or these are, these are things that I want, or these are things I don't want. I don't think so. Did Mm -hmm. we? No lists. I don't mm-hmm. think they made lists in 1996 lesbian gatherings. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, you know, times are a little different now, I think, as far as that goes with relationships. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's good or bad, but certainly it worked out for us. It's not that we haven't had our bumps in the road, but, um, you know, our commitment and our and looking for the type of person that we wanted, which was trust, loving, honest, you know, real. Mm -hmm. I think the one thing that you said when you met my parents was like, you weren't all that sure about me. I I didn't know Joan before I met her at that party. And like she said, she came from New York and she didn't really know anybody that Mm -hmm. I knew. So I didn't have her background but when I finally met her parents and found out what wonderful people they were, I kind of checked that off as, okay, she came from good stock. Yeah. <laughs> I'm real. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I'm real. Yeah. Wow. Well, th- those are all really amazing, you know, that, ideas. Yeah. The question. It, it more than answers the question, right? About it's not just about a single act of giving enough water. It's about fostering the kind of relationship that you have that just waters all the time and making sure that that you pay attention to that. I think that's just a, a kind of a beautiful way of going about it. All right. Well, thank you so much for that. We're going to go on um, and talk about our next question. So you brought this up in the last question about communication. So I'm wondering 
do you know, or have you ever thought about this? Like what's your best communication strategy for a healthy relationship? And, and is that different for each of you? Yeah, I know what her strategy is. What's her, what's her strategy? Wait, wait for Joan to ask. <laughs> <laughs> but you said she'll tell you if she's upset. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, it does have to be pretty extreme. Mm-hmm. Which, do you? you know, I can be extreme. <laughs> but um, I think we talked, that, that maybe is something we talked about early on in our relationship was communication and how important it was. And we've actually talked to other friends that are single and they've asked us the same question. Well, not the same question, mm-hmm. but have asked us the question, what's the most important thing or in your relationship mm-hmm. or how has your relationship lasted this long? And communication is the only answer. Mm-hmm. If you're not talking to each other or communicating in a loving, honest, truthful manner, it's not going to work. That's what I say all the time. You won't have anything. There just won't be anything there, right? Right. Yeah. And part of that is in the character of the people, right? Mm-hmm. Themselves. Like mm-hmm. her character. She has a very strong character, obvious from her sense of humor. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a real character. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, it has a lot to do with um, communicating. And what was the question again? <laughs> well, just like, um, here, how about I say it this way? So when you. Strategy. Right? Yeah. Like, are you ever feeling like you're not communicating and then you have to go to the other person and say, look, it would really help me if we talked more or, you know, here's something that I think is interesting, given the political divisions in our country. I think a lot of married people now are finding out that their partner isn't on the same page. And for me, that's pretty shocking because I have in-depth conversations, which pretty much every person I meet, whether they're the bus stop or a friend or a partner, right? And so what does that mean to communicate? Do you guys talk about everything? Are you talking about your feelings? Are you talking about your opinions? Are you talking about your beliefs? You know, do you- yes, mm-hmm. all of the above. Mm-hmm. I talk about everything, mm-hmm. and whether she wants to or not, she has to listen. <laughs> you know? um, she, uh, in fact, just before this, we were talking about, you know, we were kind of doing a little homework, and one of the questions was about a significant change in your life or that you've tried to make personally, not as a couple, but personally. And one of the changes that I'm going through is ta- is thinking about how religion in this world is a lie, if you will. And or anyway, it's a, you know, a whole other topic. But she was raised Catholic. I was raised Methodist. We're both solid Midwesterners, went to Sunday school and church every Sunday, um, you know, through our entire childhoods. So we have a good, strong Christian base. But um, for me, Christianity is, you know, a lot of what's wrong in the world today. But, um, you know, so I can say that to her and, and she and I have had these conversations. She doesn't say a lot. Oftentimes she just nods in agreement. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're like-minded and, you know, I am um, always going to talk about politics. Uh, when I was a kid, my parents were both teach- teachers and um, I won't go on. Uh, she just gave me a look. Um, See, but, that's oh, communicating, right? Nonverbal exactly. communication. You know, you know each other so well, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My parents uh, made us sit in front of the TV and, and pick our candidates during the conventions back in the day when you didn't know who the candidate was going to be. They picked them at the convention, you know. So I've been talking politics ever since I was a kid. So 
you know, I've obviously been talking about politics for 25 years with Katie and she's still here. So. And, and what about feelings and vulnerabilities? Do you guys talk about that stuff? Yes. Or we is talk that about everything? Mm-hmm. Um, feelings and vulnerability, vulnerability. Here's a vulnerability. Um, when I move back, uh, life moves really fast. And I think this is another piece of being together for so long is, you know, we've both lost family together. Um, we've both um, um, moved together three times, you know, bought houses together three times. Um, so there's a lot of emotion in that mm-hmm. and a lot of stress in that. And so you do have to talk and share what's in your gut when those mm-hmm. things happen. And if you don't, um, yeah, that's trouble. You think it puts distance between the two of you when you don't, right? Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, so, and I had a point in my life um, when we were together where I was drinking way too much. Um, and so that was a problem. So she, we, she confronted me with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was a, as we'll see later on, that was an orange line, mm-hmm. right? So but when when she did that, were you guys able, were you defensive? I think that's yeah. the thing about communication, right? Is getting out that defensiveness and being able to actually hear someone or did you have to go to therapy to, to get, to be able to talk both. better? Uh-huh. No, I did both. Mm-hmm. I was defensive and I went to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> to become undefensive? Yes. To become undefensive mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. understand and to realize she was right. Mm-hmm. She was absolutely mm-hmm. right. And she helped me be a better person. And that's certainly something that I appreciate in a life partner, mm-hmm. somebody that's going to make me a better person. Or help I'm going to cry me. now. I'm going to cry. Help me be a better person. <laughs> that's very sweet, you know, and that's, I think like, that's the thing about relationships. A friend posted a question today. If you knew you were dying in a year, would you tell anybody? And all the other people said no. And I said, yes, I'd tell everybody. I would tell everybody because that's where you're going to get your deepest connection and your deepest when people are vulnerable, when, when you know that time is limited, you're going to really dig deep. And that's where we connect with others, which is my entire life's goal is to connect with other people. I don't care about money. I don't care about clothes or looks or whatever. Just, I want that connection and you guys really have it. All right. So I have another question for you. And, you know, this really hits home with me. It's kind of near and dear to the heart is this, you know, the principles of law of attraction manifesting, sort of drawing in that positive energy, kind of calling out whether it's to the universe or just sort of this massive goal setting endeavor to say, here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I want and creating that and bringing that to your life. And we have an entire episode on this and how, you know, how Tracy and I have used this or thought about these principles in, in our relationships and, and is particularly even in dating and And so we're, you know, really wondering if either of you have any experience in, you know, kind of law of attraction manifesting, if you've ever used it or, you know, how those principles might impact um, your relationship, either, either together you've done something you've manifested, like how you want your relationship to unfold, or maybe individually you've done some work in this area. Katie, would you like to answer that question? Go ahead, Joan. Well, as we mentioned earlier, we both were in our forties when we met. And so we were pretty well-formed humans in our, by our forties. I think, I know for myself, um, I do a lot of self-reflection. And so, um, 
in the 70s or the 80s, we called it the power of positive thinking, I think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's always been sort of a mantra for me. Um, I always think, try to think positively. And I've always been rewarded with really fun things and great people in my life. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the principle of the law of attraction manifesting I would think um, I have but on a personal basis just not in a I think in a relationship form that's what I was saying a little bit earlier that I was starting to think about you know loving myself living with myself being with myself if it was meant to be that way Um, loving being honest being truthful with myself made me realize that's what I wanted when I found Katie, I wanted somebody, you know, the more I think about it, I wanted somebody that was honest, truthful and loving and, and it manifested. Right. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't for me, a uh, uh, purpose as purposeful as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Right? It was mm-hmm. just the way that I was as a person. And I believe that Katie is that same type of person. Mm-hmm. Even though she's more introverted. She, you know, the, the people that you went through in your relationships, they weren't the people that you ended up with. So there had to have been something in those relationships that weren't what you needed and wanted as, as who you were and wanted to be as Katie. Do you think you formed then after those relationships, like an idea in your mind of what more you wanted, like more concrete, like, oh, this, each time you learn something like, okay, this is. I I want this. I don't. Well, yeah, I did. I guess I was very conscious about wanting somebody that was, that I could trust. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wanted someone that was loving. Um, So yeah, of of course I did. Yeah. Yeah. I was always with people that were more extroverts. They talked a lot and, but, but, they didn't really ask about my feelings. So when I met Joan and she talked a lot, which was great because of course that's what I'm attracted to. Mm -hmm. And she was just a good person as I got to know her just solid. And she made me talk, which I asked you how you felt, which hadn't happened before. So that was, I think, my law of attraction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Well, some of that sounds like sometimes you, you know what you need, but maybe it didn't articulate it until it shows up. And then you're like, wow, that is exactly what I always wanted and needed. It sounds kind of like that. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Well, wonderful. Do you, you do any manifesting or law of attraction work now in your relationship? Do you set intentions for your relationship or individually as you show up in your relationship? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you manifested each other. You're here. You're good. Well, we, we pick, um, uh, in, um, vacations experiences is what I'm trying. We pick experiences together. What do we want to experience together? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we've also, I'm sure we'll start talking about space too, but you know, we, we decide when it's time where, individually we need space and we manifest those things yeah you know so but that all stems from our communications right right sounds like everything's sort of interwoven is having that open communication you're able to set some intentions together to be able to 
support each other. And then it just, you know, kind of comes with this, you know, those principles that you've been using for so long that they sound like in some ways they're just innate to what you do and how you act with each other. So, I think that's true, Corey. Yeah. Well, that's lovely. Love, love it. So thank you so much for sharing that with us and, you know, with our listeners, this is a particularly an interesting topic because not a lot of people or not as many people have heard of things like law of attraction and manifesting, but it's such an important, you know, component of, of the way that we go about, you know, our lives. And so I really love your insight. So here's something that I love to talk about and it's kind of growth mindset and, and growing as a person. Um, you know, you've mentioned a couple of times now that you guys met in your forties and that you were already fully formed people. And I think that's great. And you're lucky that way. I think that for me, I didn't become that. I mean, I'm just becoming that way now, my fifties, you know, I had a very traumatic upbringing, so it's taken me a long, long time to get here. And I'm wondering, so what kind of learning or growth experience did you find most helpful to being able to show up as a committed and loving partner? Ooh, <clears throat> that's a good question, Tracy. Um, I, I have always been uh, a person that continually uh, looks inward, self-assesses. I was a project manager for a while. I, you know, I took, looked at tests on how to interact, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Um, so, but asking questions is probably the thing that continues to help me grow and asking questions to yourself for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Asking mm-hmm. questions to myself. Mm-hmm. And I think for Katie, she's not that type of person. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. because she's with me, I force her to mm-hmm. internalize yeah. because I ask her questions and her answers are always really deep and mm-hmm. but she doesn't know that. <laughs> Katie, would you now. would you do that work on your own? Like, would you, or would you come coast along? Do you? I mean, I just in the last year learned about growth mindset versus you know I can't remember the other one because I don't even yeah, want to know mindset. about it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do no, you feel? I'm a coaster. Mm-hmm. I, I have mm-hmm. no idea. And Thank and when you, you say you look into yourself and ask questions, and then you said blah blah blah, but like, do you look at? I mean. Are you doing self-assessment tests? Like, oh, what's my, you know, Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, that kind of stuff? Yeah, I used to, I used to do those. I don't mm-hmm. do that anymore. Uh, but when I was younger, I did a lot of those kinds of things. And, um, you know, a lot of it comes from family experience. Mm-hmm. Um, having two teachers, we asked a lot of questions all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. We were around the table asking questions of each other all the time. You know, how was your day was not a mundane question. It mm-hmm. was a sincere question. Mm-hmm. And Katie's family wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. Katie's family didn't talk around the dinner table. There was a routine. That's how Katie grew up. It was in a routine within a very specific framework of how a family functioned. And not that we, not that I didn't. But her framework is just very, very right. different than mine was. And and yet she is very different from the rest of her family. Mm-hmm. I have I have met her siblings and I have met her dad for a very, very brief time. He passed away shortly after we were had met. Um and her mom was already gone. Um so 
um, she's very different from her siblings. Mm-hmm. So she, and, but she's also a lesbian, which is completely different from her straight siblings. Right. Right. Yeah. And that, that, that's a lot. That's a whole podcast, probably a series of podcasts on that. Right? And her, I think it's fair to say that her siblings are right. And Katie is left, mm-hmm. you know, so that is, is very different from her si- siblings. I think her thinking about the world is very different than what her siblings believe in how they, how they function. And, and Katie, does that drive you crazy about Joan wanting to do that stuff? Or do you, do you like it? We're getting, we're getting a lot of nonverbal communication oh no, here. Oh no. Doesn't doesn't show up on podcasts. Uh, I can't read them. I don't know. Do, Katie, saying, do you no, like no, it? It's, it's okay. challenging. It's okay. Oh, I'm not sure what the question is. is it, do you like that Joan does all of that self reflection and kind of brings you along with her and and asks you to do that as well, or do you find that? Oh, I think it's great you? that she does mm-hmm. it for herself. And what about when she asks you to do it for yourself? She doesn't really ask me to do it for myself. Mm-hmm. Does her doing it prompt you to do it? No. Interesting. I'm okay the way I am. Uh-huh. And I'm okay with the way she is too. Um, I do like to get her opinions on certain mm-hmm. things. Um, and if I'm struggling with something, I will definitely talk to her about mm-hmm. it and or go to therapy. Um, but you do for me, I'm the type of person that has to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think she is, she does talk more about it because I ask her questions about it. Mm-hmm. Well, I've noticed, I think I've noticed that in society in general, you, you either have the family that really talks about stuff and it really yeah. just pushes you, broadens your perspective and the family that doesn't, you know? And, yeah. and there are anomalies, right? I grew up in the family that didn't talk, but then I became a talker. So I mean, you know, the the only other thing I would ask is therapy. Like, is that something that you feel has been beneficial to, to your life, to both your lives, to your relationship? You answer. Well, I have not been to therapy, but I think it's definitely helped her, which has helped our relationship. So, yes, mm-hmm. I would recommend it. Okay, great. Well, I have recommend it wholeheartedly, even though I just got divorced from a psychologist. But I think it's, you know, it's, it's a helpful thing. You have to find the people that you like and then, you know, you have that work out. So I think. I, and when you say you have to find the people you like, you're talking about therapists, right? A therapist or yeah. the, what Corey and I do is a lot of podcasts listening to, and it doesn't have to be a formal therapist, right? So I don't know oh. if you guys listen to podcasts, listen to books, you know, what people would call self-help or now the better term is like growth mindset and stuff like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I do that. She doesn't, she reads a lot of books, but they're all fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. She's one of those people that likes to sit on the couch and read all day. If mm-hmm. it's raining, if mm-hmm. it's not, she's outside. Good. Playing pickleball. We, we've heard that. <laughs> I love that. So doing, sorry. Something, doing something physical, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Excellent. We're going to talk about this next question. I mean, you, you made some kind of allusion to it earlier in one of your questions, uh, when you were talking about orange lines. And so to give our listeners a chance to kind of know a little bit about what that is, we're going to talk about the, 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 not the red lines, like the red lines are those big things in relationships where if something were to happen, you say, I'm not staying, like I'm absolutely, I'm out of here. It could be cheating. It could be, um, it, it could be gambling. I, I don't know. It could be any number of things. Everybody has their own red lines. And a lot of people are pretty 
clear about what those red lines are. Um, but then there's something called the orange lines, which are those things that are not necessarily the one thing that might push a relationship to the brink, but consistently, if they don't get addressed, they could, right? It could be, um, I gave the example in the earlier podcast about consistently being late and just feeling disrespected over and over and over and you address the behavior and it doesn't change and your partner is late and late and late. After a while, you might say, listen, I just can't put up with this. This is, I can't be in this relationship, but being late once isn't necessarily going to end it. So these, these orange lines are really not deal breakers in and of themselves, but collectively they can be. So let me ask you both a question. Um, do you have orange lines? And if you do, what, what are those orange lines? Well, until we listen to your podcast, I don't think we really thought of certain things as orange or red, but since we, you have presented the question, we have talked about them a little bit. And certainly my drinking and over drinking at that time was an orange line for Katie. You know, that was something that you can't keep doing this. This is not the kind of behavior I want to spend the rest of my life with. Um, we need to do something about it. So that was an orange line. You know, that was something that she was patient with me to work through. And, you know, from the get go, there, the one conscious thing that we both, that she certainly said to me from the very beginning was the red line, no sleeping with anybody else. You cheat on me and I'm out of here. You know, that mm-hmm. was it. That was like the only thing. Um, and I'm like, yeah, that's good. I, I, I can accept that red, red line. Mm-hmm. Orange lines though have sort of appeared through time. And because we had made a commitment and trust trusted each other I mean she had made a commitment to me by that time we'd been together probably 10 years and you know she wasn't going to just throw it over for you know me being on the verge of an alcoholic kind of thing um she was patient and still loved me and supported me and helped me work through it um you know I continued to drink after that um I still drink um one, two glasses, you know, and from time to time, I choose not to drink. I haven't drunk for the last several months. So, you know, it's just something that um, me personally, I needed to deal with. And she supported me in that. Um, other orange lines, we can't think of any. Mm-hmm. I mean, they pets, some- like getting pets, getting pets, like one person wants a pet, the other doesn't. no. We've had pets and Mm -hmm. we actually just lost our kitty. So sorry about that. But, and now we're like, we know we both want another pet, Mm -hmm. but we both know that we want to travel. And one thing about Mm -hmm. having a pet is you worry. Mm -hmm. The pet pet is no longer a pet. The pet is family, right? Mm -hmm. Right, right. So you worry. What what about travel? Like, is that you know, does one person maybe want more travel or less travel? One's more of a homebody. We're both homebodies. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we do like to travel together. And um, we are now experiencing the for the first time, really, pretty much. I am taking a trip to Iowa to a college reunion thing. And normally, uh, pre-COVID, she probably wouldn't have even hesitated and we would have gone mm. together. Right. Mm. And now she's like, 
when are you going? <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll get us into our space question, giving each other space. Exactly. But, it, you know, a lot of it also has to do with COVID because our yeah. lives have changed mm-hmm. completely mm-hmm. as a yes. result of COVID. We're much more homebodies than we were. And we were homebodies before, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So. So, well, it sounds like we gave you a lot to think about by even posing the question, what are your orange lines? Because coming to the conclusion that you don't really have any orange lines right now is, is a pretty significant kind of undertaking. What was that like when you both realized, like, I don't think we have any orange lines? That was good. Yeah. It's a good mm-hmm. feeling. Actually, I thought of another one. Lying is an orange line. Oh, well, yeah. Like there's sometimes lying's okay and sometimes it's not. Why? It's, it's just not, not okay. Uh-huh. Lying is not but okay. it's not a red line. It's an orange line. It's something to be discussed. And if mm-hmm. it's something that I think if it's a habit that continues, that continues to distort the truth, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. like what we're experiencing in the world, it's mm-hmm. going to fall apart. Yeah. Just yeah. Like right. The nature of not being honest with one another. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Just like in the real world, misinformation is distorting the truth and the world is falling apart. Right. Right. We're not telling each other the truth. Because we're not communicating. We're yeah. not communicating honestly. Mm-hmm, People mm-hmm. think they're communicating, but they're not communicating honestly. I could tell Tracy is really into this, but or with vulnerability, going, right? We need to stop now. <laughs> <laughs> Wrap it up, Corey. All <laughs> right, all right. No, that that's great. It's um it's really nice to hear that you all had that conversation. And certainly, you know, as we think about what are the red lines and the orange lines and, and where and I think Tracy with your question, where's that differentiation, right? Um mm-hmm. when does that's orange become a red line? All right. Well, thank you so much for your thoughts on that. We appreciate that. So have either of you ever tried to make a significant change in your own life in the time that you've been together, like career, personal, something that's just, you know, for one of you, not the other and like a big one. And if so, did your partner, is there something they did that made you feel supported or was it you felt pressured or you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. I think you've got an example. Do you have an example ready? So I do um, because um, Katie, obviously after 25 years, we've lost, as I mentioned earlier, we've lost family and we've moved three different times. We've uh, she's retired. I've, you know, so we've all, we've had a lot of big life changes, but I would say the one thing that stands out for me is um, when we moved to Tucson, I have, one person left in my immediate family, which is my brother. And he has had um, uh, addiction issues and health, mental health issues. He's older than me. Um, So he should be a self-sufficient person, but he struggles with that, right? He's also, I think, diagnosed a bipolar. He was in Minneapolis by himself and we were down here And I presented the idea of having him move down here so that I would worry less because I'm his only family and I'm his go-to person, right? I'm the one who, I'm the one who gives him unconditional love in this world because he's my family. Mm -hmm. And um, Katie supported moving him down here and she is very supportive regardless of how bizarre things can be from time to time. Um, But she's very supportive of that extension of my family here in Tucson. Um, And and that as hard as it is for me, sometimes she supports me 
mm-hmm. because it's not easy dealing with all of those issues with someone that you have unconditional love for and yet can drive you absolutely insane. I mean, so it's like, this is something that makes you feel better. You would feel horrible if you left him in Minneapolis, right. And add stress to your life. So it's like something that even though it adds stress to your relationship and your individual lives, it's improved them also. Right. Right. In a way. Right. And it's really helped him talk about Mm -hmm. saving a life. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, if anything, she's helped me save my brother's life. Mm -hmm. Well, what kind of things, Katie, what kind of things did you do that, you know, gave Joan that support? Uh, I just said, go for it. Kind of encouraged her because it would be much easier if he Mm -hmm. was here instead of having, if she needed to go back and travel to go help him or something. Mm -hmm. And did you guys like sit down and talk about that? Okay, here are the pros and cons of doing this or here are the pros and cons of leaving him up there. And how's this going to affect our lives? Yeah, Mm -hmm. it pretty much was Mm -hmm. necessary to get him down here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It worked out well. And and the thing that has really helped me is that she participates in that relationship. And she not only lets me vent, but she has started developing a relationship with him in a way that she would never have done if he was still in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And that helps me because she knows him. And, you know, if something were to happen to me, she would know him well enough to be able to help him, not to the same level, but at least, you know, guide him in the right directions. So that makes me feel better. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like that's like not just the support for the decision, but the ongoing support for the relationship and her and Katie's participation in that. So it sounds you know, like a a wonderful kind of joint decision, but also, you know, kind of this ongoing support structure. So excellent. Well, thank you. That was, that was a wonderful example. And I'm so glad to hear that that relationship is working out and that situation is, it seems to be a very positive one for you all. Well, you know, we've talked a lot about communication and how important it is. And you all have said a lot about how it's really the foundation of your relationship. So I'm curious to know, like, when either of you has acted in a way that might be hurtful, potentially unintentionally hurtful to the other one, you might have said something, maybe you're cranky, you've had a rough day, you didn't do the dishes when you said you would, whatever it is, you know, what has helped each of you make sure you give the other person the benefit of the doubt rather than assuming that they're purposely not doing the dishes or purposely being cranky at you. But how do you kind of assume the best in the other person when these kinds of things come up? Well, I can say we've never gotten angry over who's doing the dishes. Oh, well, do that for certain. That's no, nobody does the dishes or somebody always does the dishes or something. There must be some method to this. Well, I think we've evolved there where it's like your turn, Mm. you know, but, um, you know, there are times in every relationship, I think, where someone says something and like, she said things to me that in a tone that were like, made me feel, um, hurt because it made me feel like she didn't hear what I was trying to say or um, and vice versa I'm sure right and and again it just comes back to um, for me I've had to go away from it I have to think about why I'm feeling this way what did I you know I don't I don't usually 
um, start screaming back at her, like, why did you say that? Or something like that. That's not how, uh, to me, that's not mature. Um, uh, I want to think about why I'm feeling this way first. And then, Mm -hmm. and then go back and say, especially when I have more emotional control, because if you're feeling hurt in that moment, you're emotional. And if you're emotional, you're going to say things that are probably hurtful right back, right? Because you're, 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 well, emotional. Right. (laughs) Uh, So for me, I need to, you know, again, self-reflect, think, why am I feeling hurt? What did, what was it that she said or how she said it? And what is it specifically that I feel why I'm so hurt? And in those instances, I've always come back to you and said, you made me feel this way, that way, the other way when you said it. And, and, and she goes, Oh, you know, I mean, it's. And in your mind, are you like, well, this person loves me. I love them. Like maybe they didn't, maybe it's not what I'm making out to be in my mind, or maybe they're having a crappy day or, you know, whatever, something like that. Like, because you have this foundation of love, you can give each other a little bit of grace. Exactly right. Yeah. And then do you end up, I mean, it sounds like you end up saying something or, or are there times in which you don't and you learn to just let it go and you assume that that person's just having a rough day and you let it go. You all, Joan, you're shaking your head. I mean, again, our listeners only hear things. I can literally hear your head shaking. No, you would talk about it all the time, right? Yes. Yes. We always talk about it eventually. Then we kiss and make up. That's me, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) We hear her for the first time on the podcast. So it sounds like if you feel hurt or something happened that you, you both talk about it, you, you talk about it right away when it happens or do you ever harbor it a little bit? I like, I think I was saying before is that I don't typically talk about it right away. I just walk away and then I think about why I'm feeling that way first okay. um, before I talk to her, because I want to know, you know, why am I being so emotional about it? I'm a very emotional person. And I think Katie is too. And we're just very different about how we handle our emotions as everyone is. Right. And so sometimes people handle their emotions by just raging and Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily productive. And if you're going to have a relationship that you want to last a lifetime, your communication has to be productive. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious to know, just just uh, just on the side here, as we talk about you, you say, I don't talk about it right away. But as an extrovert, does that mean like five minute break before you talk about it? Or is that like an introvert answer, which is like a day or two? That sounds right. Yep. <laughs> okay. I don't usually wait a day or two. I can't do that. Yeah, we yeah. never go to bed mad at each other. Correct. Oh, you don't. Okay. okay. That's a rule. That's a rule. All right. I I like that. I like that rule. Okay. Well, thank you. That was, uh, you know, you know, really, you know, interesting, especially as you, you navigate kind of that introversion, extroversion piece about when you talk about it, when you bring it up, how you sit with it and think about it and make meaning of it. So thanks so much for that. That great. One thing to add there, Corey, is that I've learned that through time, because I think I was much more um, uh, quick to react early on in the relationship. But oh, as okay. I have grown into the relationship and learned more about her, I've changed my behavior. And do you think it's because you have a, lo- a longer history of trust, right? As each Correct. year goes by, you build trust. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. And you get into the groove of understanding and anticipating and knowing each other. I mean, part of it is to knowing each other's intentions, uh, you right. know, so, um, knowing that that person, you know, the other person isn't always like necessarily has an intention of doing something that's hurtful because you have a context of them for so long that, you know, there's must be something else going on. All right. Great. Well, thank you. That, that was really excellent. Okay, so this is our last question, and I have to admit it's the absolute most difficult thing for me to do because I'm not <laughs> into individual space, um, except when I want it. But um, <laughs> and my my last relationship, you know, I just want to be with the person all the time. I love that person so much. And then the previous one, it was more that I felt that the space that was needed was rejecting of me but it wasn't it was just she needed her space to read on the couch all day or relax especially after she worked you know so how do you balance having enough individual space like doing things on your own having your own hobbies and interests or getting together with friends versus your collective space things that you do together I think after 25 years that balance is just uh natural right now I think Mm -hmm. in the beginning we loved being with each other all the time and we had similar hobbies and similar interests. We went golfing together, etc., and watched um, sports together and stuff. And we were, uh, our schedules were so different that it seemed like she had her space and I had my mm-hmm. space. Just naturally built in. Yeah. She got up early in the morning. She was gone. So I had my mm-hmm. space in the morning. She got home in the afternoon. I was at work. She had her space in the afternoon. Now, as we've both retired and COVID has come along, Mm -hmm. we've realized that we need maybe some actual individual space. But um, so we've just, we just tell each other, I need the house this morning. Are you going Mm -hmm. out? Yay! Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're going to play pickleball. Awesome. Because then you can have your space. What about this? This was an issue for me with one relationship that um, my friends, all straight women loved my girlfriend and they always wanted to come along girls nights. And I would say, no, I need that space. Like right. I'm not inviting her. Right. right. Not because right. I don't love her or like her, but I need to hang out with my girls night. Right. Have, right. have you guys ever encountered anything like that? I don't no. think so. I can't think of any, no. Cause the friends that we have, you know, because we've come from different places and now we've moved to a new town. The friends that we make, we make together now. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. And the friends that we have from our past, we have actually, to me, I have more, I don't just have friends. I have people that are family to me. Mm-hmm. Right. So everybody in my life is very significant. And I think that's true of Katie. She has some friends, but she has more, more of the, her friends are more like family. And mm-hmm. we've actually started bringing them together uh, in certain situations. Like we actually are planning in August to go back to Iowa to see my friends who have basically like a ranch house and property in a small town. And we're bringing her friends, um, a couple down and we're going to hang out the six of us together. Right. Mm-hmm. They met at our wedding and they've met from time to time here and there, but they just seem to really like each other and stuff. So, um, so it seems that there's like kind of a natural growth into that, maybe in the initially when people get together and they've got different activities. And I wonder, I mean, I imagine this is different for same sex couples than it is for, you know, opposite gender couples. Do you think? It's like. Know. 
Yeah, like the element of like the girls' night. I know, right. I know for you, Tracy, you said that you were, that all the people you would hang out with identified as straight and they had mm-hmm. husbands that they could leave at home. But when you're with a woman, it's like, oh, well, if girls' night, I'm going to bring my, my female right. friend. I mean, do you, it could you know, be a girl's thing. yeah. Yeah, because the couples we're talking about are both straight couples. We're, mm-hmm. you know, we, mm-hmm. we're the only uh, same sex couples mm-hmm. here. Yeah. And most of the people that we interact with now are our neighbors who are all straight. Mm-hmm. One other um, same sex couple in the neighborhood, but we knew them before they moved in. Um, well, I wonder if age, know. age, and then just time together. Yeah. I mean, you know, it kind of, Things ebb and flow, or they morph, or right, yeah. And and, you know, like the friends that I have from my past, I want her to meet, Mm -hmm. you know, -hmm. um, because they're significant people in my life, Mm -hmm. right? If they're if we're just hanging out with people that we've met that we consider friends, Mm -hmm. but we don't go out of our way to see them, they don't go out of their way to see us. We just happen to, you know, um, that there's that kind of friendship, right? social friendship and then there's meaningful friendship mm-hmm. and, and and i just made that up <laughs> <laughs> you should write a book on that there you I go should. well i i just want to follow up on the couch reading like reading on the couch all day so that's an introvert's dream as we know right does right. that drive an extrovert crazy and then does the extrovert try to drag the introvert off the couch or does the extrovert need just take themselves out and go do something else we got to answer verbally. We can't, we can't <laughs> those even though there's shakes. Shakes. a lot of head shakes. Um, well, the extrovert has, it used to drive me crazy. I think that mm-hmm. she would read, but also I am a musician, mm-hmm. so I can go off and practice um, and, and do things. I'm, and I'm also very, you know, I'm very creative in that I like to do a lot of different kinds of things. But one thing that she has helped me with is actually read a book. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't used to like to read books. I still don't really like to read books because I read a lot, but I read a lot of um, more factual based mm-hmm. things. Um, and um, she reads all fiction, but she, I, like I read the Harry Potter series. It was awesome. I think mm-hmm. I read it twice. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but um, I typically go find, it doesn't drive me crazy. I don't think. Anymore, 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 right? right. I found ways to cope with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, let me ask you a question. I'm just curious. So for each of you, what is the, what is one thing that you love doing that doesn't necessarily include the other person? Like something that you really, you really enjoy as you're alone. It's not necessarily alone time, but it could be time with other people doing something like it could be pickleball or something. What is that one thing that you just love to do that's without each other? And then what is the one thing you absolutely love to do together? We love going to the movies together. We go to the movies. We, I mean, before COVID, we used to go once a week regularly, mm-hmm. you know, on, on senior day. Um, I love to golf. I've been golfing since I was in junior in junior high. Mm-hmm. So I've golfed all my life. Katie learned to golf with her dad when she was younger and less physically um, restrained. I mean, she has issues with her shoulders now, you know, as she's gotten older. I don't think golf is as much fun for you as pickleball. I really like pickleball yeah. now. Yeah. And would you like Joan to come with you or are you fine with it being your thing? <laughs> oh, I think I like it being my thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's told me many, 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 many times. Um, are you going golfing today? Are you, <laughs> are you golfing? Are, you know, and, um, you know, COVID and some other physical issues have 
have kept me from doing that, but I'm getting on the, I'm on the verge of getting back out there. So I'll make her happy. Good. Yeah. yeah. I like to do is wander around Home Depot, Lowe's, hardware stores. Together or separately? No, separately. Oh, uh-huh. I like, I like doing that too. So sometimes she will let me come along. Mm. <laughs> and other but, times you say, nope, not today. Right. right. Yeah. That, I'm like in and out. It's got to be under 10 oh, minutes of any store. store. Any order oh, on earth, groceries, clothes, off. whatever. No, no, no. meander, it. meandering's good. No, okay, oh, extremes, anxiety. Uh, Tracy, we have to review your lesbian card if you don't like to wander <laughs> in a hardware store. Sorry, yeah. I'm not handy. We're going to revoke I've it. Broken a stereotype. No, you have to be handy. <laughs> I don't like tools. I don't like to be at a hardware store ever in my life. I've, I've broken see, this all is stereotypes. The thing about, this is the misinformation about hardware stores. Okay. You should see what she brought me yesterday from a hardware store. Mm-mm. I She brought me football corn cob holders from a wow. hardware store. Hardware they know, they know their audience, I guess. <laughs> That's true. That is exactly true. Uh, all right. Well, we are going to go ahead and wrap up. Those are all of our questions that we have for you today. But I do want to, I, first, I want to say a huge thank you to both of you for being on here and not just the time that you took, but just the, the, the information you provided and your willingness to put yourselves out there. That is amazing. That is amazing. Right now, if I could describe it, Joan is hugging Katie and saying a big thank you. Um, but I do want to leave us with, I want to leave with one question and then, you know, and I'm going to, from an extrovert standpoint, challenge Joan to keep this in one sentence or less. This oh, is the challenge of the day. Um, is what is your one piece of advice to give to our listeners to say that you think has been a really important key to having a successful relationship? If you could, I mean, I know there's a lot of things that are important, but what is one thing you just want to emphasize today? Um, I can't emphasize one without the other. Communication okay. is the emphasis, but Ooh, the yeah. other, thank you. But the other is knowing yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, as those you, are my two main things. As you go into a relationship, if you don't know who you are, how do you know what you want in someone else? You know, so if you have to know who you are and what you want when you go into a relationship, right? And then you have to be able to communicate with each other to find it. That was more than one sentence. It I was, was so sorry. It was like okay. nine, 19 sentences. <laughs> okay. I don't know, Katie, I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you have anything you wanted to add, I wanted to make sure you had space to do that. Uh, communication. Communication. Okay. Yes. That's okay. It. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you both so much for being on with us. You're today. welcome. It was fun. Thank you guys. <laughs> well, that was fun. I mean, who would have thought that my, um, neighbors down the street had so much amazing insight to offer. It was, it's been so great to get to know Joan and Katie. And I was so appreciative of, of them being on here and sharing their thoughts. I don't know, Tracy, what you thought about, about their insight. Well, I think that that's anytime you get to know people, I think you're going to be more surprised than you are let down, right? Like if you, you know. truly can have a real conversation with people, it was very nice. You know, I like to hear that. And I'm always impressed by people who are able to maintain a long-term relationship, you know, and I think that having, you know, putting in the context of all the things that need to go into a relationship, I think we've talked about a lot of those. I think they even, it surprised them, right, to think about those things. Yeah, I know, especially seeing their nonverbals too. It was exciting Mm -hmm. just to hear, 
you know, what they had to say and the insight they were making. But I'm curious to know also about your insight. We've made it through 10 episodes now. This is the, the, the bottom of the, the ninth inning for us here. So what are some of the big takeaways for you on some of the things that we've talked about? Just kind of that everything I thought was right. And, uh, you know, communication <laughs> is so important, right? This just validates everything I've been thinking. Communication is crucial. And yeah. that growth work is super, super important. You know, you just have to look at yourself. You have to look at the other person. You have to be able to talk about it. And it can, you can use therapy. You can use, you know, individual therapy, relationship therapy. You can use like we do podcasts uh books, you know, things like that. I mean, I've had a friend that's listened to an episode that said, you know, it reminded her of all the things that she needs to think about in her relationship. So, and and I hadn't thought of, maybe I'd thought of the orange lines, but not in those terms. And I think having it in contrast to the red lines, that there is, you know, something, a bar lower than that, that really needs work. I mean, relationships are work, Corey. I mean, don't you think? Well, yeah, that's the whole watering the garden, right? They're putting in that work. I mean, for me, you know, there were certainly topics. I love talking about all these topics, especially because, you know, these are things that I feel like in many ways I have messed up or not done as well as I could have in previous relationships and the things I've learned and would like to do better moving forward. Um, But some of the things really stood out to me, even having these ahas just in our conversations, like I too really liked our discussion around the red lines and the orange lines. And going back and thinking about what really are my orange lines? What are those things that I want to make sure that, you know, are in place moving forward with someone. And, and I also loved our conversation around the, the me, you and us and taking mm-hmm. space and making sure that we have our individual identities and hobbies and interests and friends, but collectively have something strong because part of it too, is that all of these go hand in hand, right? As you're talking about the, the personal growth helps you understand who you are so that you can then communicate better so that you mm-hmm. can also know when to ask for and take and give space so that you can make the changes in your, in your life that you want, but also help others with those changes and have these positive attitudes that bring in good energy. I mean, all of this stuff flows together in so right. many ways. And so for me, what I was thinking about really kind of the biggest thing was that there are so many ways to have a good, healthy relationship. And you and I have even differed on some of the approaches that we've taken that have either, well, both been unsuccessful, but in many ways, some things that really do work and they've just been different. And I think for me, the biggest key is that whatever you're doing is to make sure that whatever is right is between you and your partner. So Mm -hmm. what might be right for the two of you might be a totally different way that other couples navigate what they're doing. And that part of that is communication. Part of that is just knowing yourself and knowing your partner and being able to talk about things as they come up and navigate that so that your, your relationship is what you have agreed your relationship to be in terms of what you view to be healthy. And I think for well, me, and that, that's that goes for away. friendships, right? Friendships, yeah. sisterhood. I mean, you know, sibling relationships, all of that. I mean, even you and I, when, you know, we went to do this podcast and we, sat down with somebody else to kind of define what we were doing and the communication, it kind of, we got off track and we weren't, we were not hearing each other. Right. And so mm-hmm. we walk that back a little bit and then say, okay, this is what I'm saying. This is what you're saying. And whatever relationship we're in, we really need to, we have to put in that work. And rather than, you know, walking away, you know, I like to say, Corey, I'm a, I want the relationship to continue. You know, I want to put mm-hmm. the work in and I think not every single relationship is going to work. And, but I, 
I think a lot of people walk away too soon, even from friendship, even from sibling stuff where they let things bother them too much or don't know how to communicate, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. it's a tragedy. I do think it's a tragedy. I think it's a tragedy. It breaks my heart when I see family relationships don't work out. And, and when, you know, love relationships don't work out and, and friendships also, you know? Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that. I read an article just this morning that said the three biggest regrets that people have when they're dying. And, you know, the one that we always talk about is I wish I didn't work so much and I spent more time with loved ones, but the other ones really kind of caught me off guard. One is letting a petty disagreement last for so long mm-hmm. that created a rift when it could have been resolved, you know, and, and the other one had something to do with kind of you know, walking away or leaving early from something, but pretty much the essence was not investing in the relationships that mattered and letting them get, you know, kind of get disconnected Mm -hmm. or completely cut off in general. And then now here you are at the end of your life saying, wow, I wish I not just, I wish I had more time for my relationships. I wish I had that relationship back because I would have done it differently. Totally agree. Yes. Well, all right. Well, we are excited to have put together our very first season of rock that relationship. And we are going to be launching season two shortly. Uh, and so if you're interested, stay tuned um, to follow us on uh, Twitter and follow us on um, pretty much any of our social media accounts, but really where you can access information about us is rockthatrelationship.com. You can find access to our podcast there, but you can also certainly find them on Apple and Spotify and making sure that you uh, keep up with all of the information that we need. Yeah. And Apple on Apple, you can rate them. That will really help us if you rate our podcast. Cause if you love it, give us five stars. And if you don't love it, just don't, don't, don't rate don't us at say all. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. To yourself. Don't communicate exactly. in that case. Exactly. Don't communicate to anybody about it. <laughs> All right. Well, again, Tracy, it's been a pleasure to go through this journey. We're going to, I'm looking forward to season two and many more seasons down the road. But in the meantime, everyone go out there and rock those relationships. If you liked what you heard, check out our show notes for resources from today's episode. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Rock That Relationship and go to our website at rockthatrelationship.com for updated episodes and more great information. Thanks for listening. Now go rock those relationships.